All right. Uh, so kids head on back, and uh, in the meanwhile, we'll pray uh, in preparation for the message this morning. Oh, and I'm going to hit start on this Facebook live stream thing. Let's, uh, let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray that you be with us this morning. Um, I'm, I'm tired and I'm not feeling well. And Lord, I pray that you would, uh, would work despite my frailty and my weakness. And, and I pray that you would um, be, with, be with the folks who are here. Help them to hear from you and um, help them to, to um, come to know Christ more intimately and to, to hear your calling um, on their lives and in their hearts through uh, the preaching of the word today. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. So uh, last January, I was in Israel, and you all have heard a ton about this, and so, um, and I, uh, I <clears throat> unintentionally, and I guess it's always going to be unintentional, I, I unintentionally stood out in quite a few places I went as, as um, the loud, obnoxious American. I know you all are shocked. I, I... I, and I know that's nervous laughter because you're so surprised. Um, we uh, we stayed at a, at a couple of resorts and, and kibbutzes, and and um, we would eat meals in these giant dining halls. And I, on a few occasions, I would be sitting and talking to someone like the 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 fellow who was sort of like doing the lecturing or some of the other pastors, and and I would start laughing, and I I wouldn't notice, but everybody at the tables around us would stop and glare at us. And, and actually, I didn't start noticing until about halfway through the trip when, when the, the, the head of the Church of God um, kind of, all right, let's take it down a notch, buddy. You know, and I, oh, wait, you know, I guess I, people are uncomfortable with how loud Americans are. Did you all know that? I mean, I guess a lot of the European, and you know, apparently we're loud and we take up a lot of space. Um, and, and because of that, everywhere I went, I kind of stood out. And the other thing that I discovered was, that there are all of these, like, customs that I didn't know. Okay, so, like, we went to, every time you would walk into uh, a store, people would follow you around with trays of tea and, and get you, you know, and, like, oh, here's your, here's your tea. And I guess I, I, I learned after the fact, about six months later, I read that it is, like, a big deal to have at least one glass of tea. Like, these little tiny shot glasses of tea, and it's actually kind of insulting to, to, to the Muslim population if you don't have one. Um, because it's hospitality. It's, it's, and it's a big deal. You had to have one. And I didn't like the tea. And so everywhere we went, I'm like, no, stop. You know, I don't, I don't want tea. Please, you know, please stop. You know, and, you know, oh, and I didn't realize I was, I was insulting them. Um, and actually, apparently the worst thing I did, and I, I, you know, I, I don't know if I feel that bad about this, um, we went to a we went to a hotel and they had this cart set up and I think I've talked about this before. They had this cart set up with this coffee pot, and they would make this just strange coffee. I've been trying to duplicate it at home. I can't get it right, but it has like cardamom in it and clove, and they would brew it all day and they would hand grind the the beans and they had like a like a little fire in the middle of this hotel lobby like where they would roast the beans in a pan and and it. It was amazing. And they would give you, as soon as you walked in the door, somebody would be there with a little cup of coffee for you. A little cup of coffee. You all have seen my coffee cups, right? 
I, I, I drink a lot of coffee. And so they would give me this coffee, and it was delicious. And I wanted more, right? Because I, because I, I wanted more. As it turns out, three is the magic number. And after three, you're considered to be very rude to drink more. So at this hotel, I got my cup, and the bellhop is there, and he's going around, and he's giving out coffee, and I had another cup. And then he went, and he started doing his job again, and I wanted more coffee. So I sat down by this coffee pot with my little tiny cup, and I kept refilling it. Now, part of the deal is they have to fill it for you because it's an example of their hospitality. If you serve yourself, it's basically saying your hospitality is crummy, and you are really falling short in this regard. And it... I remember the guy at the desk saw me pouring, like, my maybe eighth cup. I don't know. It was a, a bit. And he called the bellhop in and dressed him down. And that guy stood two feet away from me for the rest of the time I was in the lobby. Um, and I didn't realize, like, I had, I mean, every tradition, every, like, in this hotel, I stomped on it. And I didn't know. Like, I just didn't know. Because I was a stranger. Right? I, I, I almost can hear the old Western line. You ain't from around here, are you? Um, the most serious moment of this, I was going from Jordan into Israel, and they did a bag search because I may have had some rocks that I picked up along the way, and they were trying to figure out why I had these things in my um, bags. But as they were going through my bags, they found a, a headscarf that I had bought on the Mount of Olives. And I bought it because it was, it was the one that I thought looked coolest. Um, and as it turns out, it was like the, the pattern was Palestinian. And so, like, for whatever reason, the Israeli Defense Force, they're a little skeptical of Palestinians coming into the country from Jordan. And that guy saw that thing, and he exploded. Like, he was very friendly, and we were talking, and he sees this thing, and he just opened up on me. And I thought, oh, my gosh, I'm not going to get into Israel like, I'm going to be stuck in Jordan because I have this. And he, you know, why do you have this? What are you, and I bought it because it looked cool. And he's like, what? No, tell me who you know in, that, in Jordan. Like, who are you visiting? What are you doing? You know, and they were mad. And it was because I just didn't know any better. I, I was, you know, the dumb American wandering through doing something dumb. Um, and, and, and I didn't know. I just didn't know. And, and I, I'm not from around these parts. Like I, and I tried to explain, hey, I'm not from around here. I, I just don't understand what's going on. Um, we're going to hit kind of the big hinge verse in Peter. All right? Like Peter is about to, to hit this major thematic thing. And um, like he's been building up until this point, we've been getting foundational material. And like some ethics, but a lot of like, this is why you do what you do. Right? Like, this is why you pursue holiness. This is why you behave this way. This is why you live this way. And a little bit of instruction. And here, Peter is going to give the hinge. Like, this is the summary. And then he's going to jump off into the, like, specifics. Like, in a big way. But this is probably the most important two verses in the book. Everybody with me? Um, because this is the, this is, this is it. And, and what he's going to urge them to do is, you know, and we've heard this a couple times, like strangers, like aliens, like foreigners, like people who aren't from around here. You're just passing through. And, and we're going to get into this passage where he really punches this idea home. Um, and, and from here on out, everything kind of becomes uh, different. Um, in the letters so far, like I said, it's been all of this, eth- this foundational for ethics. And the foundation for ethics, what it boils down to is because you're in Christ – 
you are different. And because you're in Christ, that's why you behave the way you do, right? Um, when we talk about um, why, I, uh, why I behave according to Christian like rules and, and values and whatnot, it's because I'm in Christ. It's not because I have to do these things to go to heaven, right? Like if you walked in the door today and your belief is I need to behave well enough and I got to check my boxes and I got to make sure that when I get to heaven, one, the, the good scale is better than the bad scale, like, like you are, you're, you're wrong. And like, that is just not how it works. You will not make it into heaven based on how good you are. Like it is a total dead end because we can never be good enough, right? You can never, ever, ever be good enough. And so what happens is God like provides for us. He provides Christ who dies for our sins. And we become like, if we follow him, like if we are his people, we have faith in him. There's faith technically that saves us. Like if you have faith in Christ, that saves you and you become this new creation and you follow him because that's what you do, right? That's who you are. Um, suddenly you go from being the dumb American who's too loud and doesn't know how many cups of coffee he's allowed to have to being a local, right? It's this shift, although that's backward because you, well, anyway, um, <laughs> my, I'm, I'm screwing up the analogy now. Um, the situation that the recipients are in, this is Peter writing to um, like Asia Minor, right? This is like kind of this Mesopotamia and Greece and all of this, right? He's writing to Asia Minor, these churches there, and um, they are largely poor, like the recipients are probably largely poor, and they're probably not Roman citizens. Now, there's a little bit of background with this, and I, I know a lot of introduction, but it's only two verses, so it's okay. Um, um, citizenship in Rome was a huge deal. If you were a citizen in Rome, you like couldn't be executed without a trial by jury, right? And it had to be a jury of your peers, and there were all kinds of laws that protected you. And you couldn't be crucified. Like, Roman citizens were not allowed to be crucified. And you couldn't, I mean, like, all these protections. You had, like, land protections and property protections and taxation protections and guarantees in different regards. And this goes back hundreds of years. Actually, I'm reading a book right now about the, the Roman Republic before the emperors came along. And, like, all this book talks about all this fighting over... Roman citizenship. And most of the people who lived in Italy were not Roman citizens. And like the Roman like, like power, like the, the authority, they didn't want them to be citizens. Because the more you gave rights and privileges to other folks, like the more rights and privileges they had. And, and it made life complicated. Um, and so these guys, they do not have this degree of like citizenship. They don't have citizenship. They can't like the property um, rights are different. Their taxation rights, everything is different. And it makes life harder for them, especially since now they're Christians. And the Christians were being persecuted at the time of this writing. And so Peter's addressing him, and he's like, I know you were short on rights, and it's getting worse. You all with me? Um, and so we're going to dive in here, and, and we'll look at, I'm going to give you the first two, the two verses in total, and then we'll, we'll pick them apart by bits. Um, Oh, we're actually going to backtrack. I'm sorry. This is the proceeding and this is the building. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. This is from last week. Um, so it's, wait a minute, this is a repeat. Um, the reason I'm including this is Peter is drawing a contrast. You're a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. You are here, but you are of a different citizenship. 
right? Which is technically true, because none of them were Romans. <laughs> and Peter was maybe writing from Rome, there's a good chance, like, but the, the Roman authority was giving them a headache because they weren't Romans. And he says, you know what, you're not Romans, you're something better, right? You have a better position than all of these folks. And like this contrast is going to play out in, the, in, in a bunch of the rest of this book. But he's making this point. He says, listen, you are not one of these people. You are not a local. You do not like, live under their law. Like You do not live under their way. You are, you are on your way somewhere else. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. You had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Um, so here's our two verses. Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires, which wage war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that, though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. This is our two verses, right? And this is the big um, thing. So we're going to do the first one. Um, I urge you as foreigners and exiles. Now watch this. Foreigners and exiles are what I was in Israel. I was a foreigner, right? Um, as non-citizens. So um, if you were smart, which is not me, when you visit another country, you are careful, right? Um, there's a great example. Um, when I was in college, there was a young man who was visiting Singapore, and he um, I think I can't remember. I think he was graffiti and littering, and so he was publicly caned. Do you guys remember that? He was arrested for vandalism and like spitting gum on the ground, like. <laughs> and they they basically took him out in public and they and they caned him. They they beat him with a stick, publicly. And there was a huge legal battle where, you know, the United States government's like, no, 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 no. You don't beat our citizens with a stick, and they did, and you know. But, like, if you're going to be in a foreign country, getting arrested, that's dumb. Can we all agree on that? Like, you should not visit foreign nations and get arrested. Um, if you are in, you know, anywhere other than here, like, it's not a good idea to get arrested here, but it's a really bad idea to get arrested somewhere else, right? Like, because then their laws apply and your rights don't. Um, you, you don't know their rules. You don't, and beyond that, you're a guest. And part of what Peter's playing out here is, listen, I know that you're not Roman citizens. I know you get cheated. I know you get mistreated. I know you get the short end of the stick because you lack, but you have something better. You have this citizenship in heaven. You're a holy people in a nation, like God's people, God's nation. And you are here, and you are foreigners here. Don't set up shop. Don't live like you live here. Don't live like this is the way that your life is supposed to be. And he says in that regard, abstain from sinful desires. Um, when you go to Mexico, the thing you do not ever do, anybody know? Oh, you don't drink the water. You know why? We all know why, right? And we don't have to explain this. Um, it is a bad idea to drink the water. When we went to Jordan, they said, don't drink the water here. Drink bottled water. Do not drink any water that's given to you unless it's been boiled. Don't drink the water because, and, and it's weird because you like go to Mexico, or you go to like like a um, Jordan or some other third world country like Canada, and you and you watch them, and they can drink the water without getting sick. And you think, well, wait a minute, why do these guys get to drink the water and it doesn't kill them? But if I do, 
it's going to make me wish I was dead. That happened to me in Costa Rica. I, I consumed something inappropriate, and I, I discovered that Costa Rica bathroom, gas station bathrooms are not nice. Like it was the worst part of my trip. Um, the trick is that folks who live in these countries, like they consume this water, and they get used to, and they fight off, and they develop a tolerance, and they don't get sick constantly because of the water. Um, the, the Mexican citizens, and I'm not trying to, you know, it's just, it's the case. Like you, they drink the water and they've already, like their stomachs have built up this immunity to whatever it is in there that, that takes revenge on you. Um, whereas um, I go down there and I don't have that. And in the same way, like here's my analogy, right? We are in this world and we look around and there's desires in us, right? Like if I'm, in, uh, in Jordan, we walked around in Petra, and it was hot, and it was a desert, and I was thirsty. I mean, really thirsty, because you're walking around, and you're sweating. We climbed a mountain while we were there so we could go see this, like, ruins up there, and it was, it was hard, and it was miserable, and I was really thirsty, and I got to looking around, and I thought, man, I, maybe just a little bit? And, like, the sinful nature is a little like this, where there's this part of you that says, hey, just a little bit, right? Hey, just a minute on this website. Hey, if I just check it out for a second, it'll be okay. Hey, maybe if I just, I mean, you know what I mean? Like, this idea that, hey, a little bit of gossip isn't going to damage my soul, is it? A little bit of stealing, a little bit of borrowing. In fact, Walmart won't notice because they're huge and they're evil, too. Um, a little bit of cheating on my taxes, because I'm sure they're evil. Um, a little bit of, it's true, isn't it? I'm going to say it, and I am the biggest hypocrite in the world. A little bit of speeding. A little bit of, <laughs> a little bit of hating my neighbor. A little bit of not being loving to the people who work for me. A little bit of, I mean, I can keep going, right? Y'all know, take a moment to think. What is your little bit of water you drink every once in a while? No matter how thirsty you are, and the flesh will tell you, drink it, it's okay, I know you're thirsty, just have it. Just a little bit. And in reality, nope. You can't. Because a little bit of water. I had a friend who went down to Mexico and had sodas. And like the soda was from um, like an approved source of water, but the ice was not. <laughs> and the ice was enough to make her incredibly sick. Right? But there's so little water and ice. It don't take a whole lot, does it? Like it takes only a tiny little bit. And this is the way it is with the sinful desires. They will kill you spiritually. They, they flatten you out. That is the, I should pray, I should do this, but I'm going to do nothing. I should, I'm, I'm falling back into like men's retreat stuff. I should lead my family. I should this, I should that, but I, it's so much easier to do this. That sinful desire, it becomes poison to your soul. And spiritually, it begins to kill you. And inside, you might have a conflict, like, like me and Petra, right? Oh, that water looks good, but you would be stupid to drink it. You just would. Um, and it wages war inside you, and you fight internally, but at the end of the day, you have to know the end result is not worth it. I don't live here. I can't drink the water. Um, 
Therefore, this is 1 Corinthians. I'm going to jump over around here and we're going to look at some other stuff. Therefore, since we have these promises, dear friends, let us purify ourselves from everything that contaminates the body and the spirit, perfecting holiness out of reverence for God. Um, Watch this. Because I am a holy nation, because I am a people that is set apart, because I am a royal priesthood, because I stand in a different place with a different job, I have to be different. Um, I was thinking of the uh, Prince and the Pauper. Have you guys read that one? It was Mark Twain, where the prince and, and the poor man trade places, and the prince goes around in rags, and all these people are interacting with the prince, and he is the prince, but he doesn't look like it. That's us. Like, people look at you, and they don't realize you are you're an adopted child of the creator of the universe. You're a prince or a princess in, like, an eternal court. Like, this is the truth of you. Um, C.S. Lewis said that, that if you come to the core of what we are as people, um, if you saw us as we will be in eternity, you would be tempted to worship us. Even, like, the worst homeless man who smells bad and, you know, is dirty and everything else. Like, if you saw him as God sees him, you would be tempted to worship him. Because this is our rags. This is our pauper stuff, right? The real thing, royal priesthood, holy people, different. Um, And so out of reverence for God and out of, like, the reality of who we are, we have to avoid drinking the water. We have to avoid things that will take away our purity and kill us spiritually. Um, I'm going to jump around a little bit here. Um, Hebrews, Hebrews has this section that's like the Hall of Fame of Faith where it talks about all of these, like, like heroes of the Old Testament. And some, you know, these people who by faith trusted God and did great things. And Hebrews, um, all these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things they promised, or things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on earth. People who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. If they would have had opportunity to return, if they would have had opportunity to return, instead they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for He has prepared a city for them. Um, part of what this is, Paul, I think, in Hebrews. I part of what Hebrews is telling us. Um, he's talking about these guys and all, the fact that they resisted. This way of life. They resisted the world. They lived by faith and they were like strangers and aliens looking for a better country, right? And this is us. Uh, we were driving <clears throat> from Kalispell, or not from Hungry Horse, to home yesterday. And in uh, Cutbank, we stopped. Everybody knows where you stop in Cutbank, right? Really? No one? There's a McDonald's in Cutbank. And you stop there because you can get coffee and they have a cleanish bathroom, right? Um, like, like it just, that's where you stop. <laughs> um, and in fact, if you're driving through Browning, you hold it until you get to cut bank. Like, um, we're in the McDonald's and cut bank and I'm standing there and our plan was to go to Great Falls and eat dinner. And we ate at Roadhouse in Great Falls, like my favorite restaurant. Right. And I'm standing in McDonald's and I'm looking at the menu. I'm going to get a cup of coffee. And I started thinking, I could probably get a meal. Well, but why would I fill up on this, right? Why would I eat this stuff? I'm going to eat something better later. Um, in reality, this world is a little like passing through the McDonald's and maybe not so 
such a good restaurant, like to, to put it to scale, compared to where we're heading. Those temptations of the flesh that we experience now, these, hey, I, I need to indulge, I need to take revenge, I need to be this person of the flesh, that temptation, like, like it'd be crazy to live there. It would be crazy to indulge in that because you got a better meal at the end of your road. Heaven is better than anything I experience here. Heaven is better than anything I could experience here, anything I could desire to experience here. But there are men and women all the time who trade, right? We trade our lustful desires and our, our, we indulge in our passion and we indulge in overeating because like, gluttony is kind of a thing, right? Like we indulge in, um, in wasteful spending. We indulge in bitterness and anger. We indulge in gossip. We indulge in all this stuff because right now it's fun. Um, but it's not where I live. It's not eternity. Um, there's something better on the way. Um, and this is our calling, guys. This is the life we live. We are on our way somewhere better. Um, live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits. Um, these are people without rights, without authority, without a defense. And so as the Romans call them out, as their neighbors file lawsuits against them, as people slander and malign them, as, as folks line up to attack them, the only thing they have is their credibility. The only thing they have is their behavior. And what's amazing is that this is basically what changed the world, right? Like Christians didn't have authority, they didn't have money, they didn't have power, they didn't have anything. And yet Christianity spread the holy spirit like like brought people to christ everywhere and the evidence they saw was the lives that people lived um there's a huge um swell of conversions and growth spiritual growth and church growth in india right now right and and you start going over there and you look at the communities that are converting and a lot of the like the untouchables the people at the lowest class who are mistreated like Christians come in and treat them like they're humans, and all of a sudden they say, "Well, I, I don't care what it is. I want that, right?" Um, people like Mother Teresa, and I, I'm not Catholic. I'm not advocating Catholicism. I'm just saying, like Mother Teresa, who went there and like spent her whole life serving people that no one will touch. The only kind of job an untouchable can have in India is the kind of job that kills you early. Like uh, I read that the cities, or that in Delhi, um, the 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 sewer system is really archaic and it has a tendency to get clogged up. And a suitable job for an untouchable is to crawl through the sewer system and unplug it. And those guys generally live about five years after they get that job because, like, you swim around in waste and you're going to die. I mean, um, but, but Mother Teresa and her, and her order, these folks, they went around and they would find these people who were dying of leprosy. And they would treat them. They would feed the untouchables. For, for Indians, untouchables are in hell. Like that is a theological idea. If you were born in this lower caste, you are in hell on earth. And your life is punishment from God. And you deserve everything you get. Um, and Christians have gone there and they have loved these folks. And it is amazing how effective being different is. Right? It's amazing how effective loving folks who nobody loves. It is effective. When I worked at the children's home, um, I knew this guy 
and actually he's a pastor, Church of God pastor. The only reason I'm in the Church of God now is because Barney brought me into the Church of God, right? Like, and, and he is one of my mentor pastors. If I have a bad day, I call Barney and he talks to me and he tells me I'm nuts and to get my act together. Um, Barney was so amazing and loving and wonderful. He could deal with the nastiest kids and they respected him. I remember he was the only staff in like his eight years he worked there that no kid ever swore at him. I'm saying this like I got sworn at, oh my gosh, hundreds upon hundreds of times a day. Like, like I, it was, I don't think I ever worked a shift where nobody cussed at me. Um, Barney worked there for years and not a single person, actually one person, he was in a physical altercation with a kid who was being violent and he said, now let's settle down. And the kid rears back, blank you, Barney. And Barney stopped and says, excuse me? Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> like he was that kind of guy. When you met him and you spent time with him, he was different. You know what I mean? And some of you all know folks like that. Folks you can't even get mad at because they are different. That's what Peter's talking about. He is talking about being the kind of man or the kind of woman through your daily actions that when the world encounters you and they make accusation, they kind of figure out like, oh, maybe I'm blowing it. I can't really accuse this guy, right? Um, there's a, a prominent, uh, actually, I'll, I'll, Billy Graham died, what, last year? There's a big movement amongst segments of the population to malign him and talk about how wicked and evil he was. And like a lot of like essays and articles I read were like, "There's Billy Graham. Like, what are you, <laughs> what are you talking about? I, like, how can you badmouth Billy Graham?" Like, um, actually, I saw the same thing happen when Mother Teresa died. There were there were folks out there who came out and attacked her. It's like, dude, she was like lived in just the worst place in the world for her entire life and served the poorest people in the world. How can you say nasty things about her? Um, at the end of the day. Our royal citizenship, our holy priesthood should show through in our actions and people should see us. And when folks start bad-mouthing us, that's our defense. That's it. But you all know people like that, right? I mean, you know people who nobody has a bad thing to say about them. And if somebody did, everybody around them would take a step back and say, oh, hold on a second. Right? Like people who emanate Christ so like like brightly and so profoundly, it's unavoidable. Um, Jesus tells us, you are a light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on, a, on, a, on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Um, when we lived in Indiana, we were 100 miles away from Chicago, and anybody who, who's lived near Chicago can tell you, if you go outside at night and look in the direction of the city, there are no stars, partially because it's an awful place and stars don't go near it, but larger than that, <laughs> um, no, I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I actually really like Chicago, I'm not, you know, um, I... Larger than that is because the city is so insanely bright that you can see it from a hundred miles away, right? Like you can see it from further than the curvature of the earth will allow you to see, but you can see the light coming off that city, 
right? This is us, folks. This is what we're called to be. We are called to be the kind of folks that when people look around and they say, you know, where is the light in this world? Where are the people that are different? That's us. Um, when your neighbors back up and say, who do I know that is a, a godly person? Or when your neighbors back up and say, I need help, who do they call? They should think of you. I, uh, a few years ago, I, had, uh, I got a phone call from the school. I uh, called the church and said, hey, I, we have a family that needs help with us, and we're calling you to ask to see if you can help. And I was like, what? <laughs> Did they tell you to? No, but like, we don't have the resources, and we think you do, so can you help them? Like, that, that's the kind of church that we're supposed to be. When the world needs help, we're Jesus to them. When the world accuses us, we're Jesus to them. Right? When the world backs up and gossips about us, everybody looks around and says, wait a minute, you don't know what you're talking about. These guys are different. Um, so we'll skip out of that one. What Peter's talking about and where he's about to go from here, because he's about to talk about things like slaves. When you deal with your masters who are abusive to you, this is how you need to act. Right? I mean, that's a hard thing. Like, hey... You own me, you own my children, and you're, like, torturing us or not feeding us well enough or putting us in awful circumstances. Love that guy. Like, that's a huge thing. But he starts off with this very powerful line, right? Be different. Stand apart. Folks look at you. They need to know who you are. They need to say, wow, you're not from around here, are you? Because you're not like us. Um, I read about a revival that happened on the West Coast uh, during the Second Great Awakening where it was this mining community, and these miners, um, like there was a, a big revival, campfire meetings, everything else, and like the entire town got saved. And like these guys were coming in the middle of the day on their lunch break, they were going to Bible study, and so like lunch would happen, and the whistle would go off, and the church would be overflowing, and then everybody would run back to work. And it was so profound of a change in these guys' lives. They had donkeys and horses that hauled things in and out of the mine, they had trouble getting the donkeys and the horses to obey because they all knew swear words. And, like, all of a sudden, all these miners stopped swearing. And, like, <laughs> like it was so different. The animals, like, what do you, I don't understand what language are you speaking. You know, like, it was the same language but without the sentence enhancers. And, like, like then all of a sudden, the donkeys didn't know what they were talking about. But that's the kind of change we're talking about, the kind of change where folks look at you and say, who are you? Like, you're so different. What is this? This is our calling, folks. Be aliens. Be strangers. Be foreigners. Don't demand your rights. Um, but chase after holiness. And that's what really this boils down to. We're saved by Christ. We're new creations. We're brand new people. And we chase holiness um, for all we're worth. And actually, I'm going to jump back where... Um, this is Philippians. Paul uses this line. Um, you should walk out of here and you should shine amongst the world like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. And then, um, then we'll have something to brag about on the day that Christ returns, right? What are you doing? <laughs> Be different. Be a light in the darkness. Be Jesus. Be holy and hunger for it. Like, thirst for it. Don't drink the water. Let's pray.
Heavenly Father, I pray that you'd be with us. I pray that you would help us to be challenged to pursue you, to hunger after your righteousness in this way of being. Lord God, help us to be like, like stars in the night sky, Lord God, like like Chicago in the distance, like drowning out the darkness. I pray, Lord, that, that we would live up to that standard of a holy priesthood, that we would live up to that standard of, of being your people, your nation in Big Sandy and in Montana and anywhere it is that you call us to go. And Lord God, I pray that these folks, as they encounter people, folks would look at them like they're nuts because they are so set apart for Christ that it becomes obvious that they are just different um, in Christ's name I pray. Amen. Um, a quick reminder, if you are able to do nursing home today, come and talk to me. Um, touch base with me so I know someone's going. Otherwise, I'm going to call and cancel it. We need a musician. Um, yeah. Have a good day, folks.